Hi there. Today I want to share the story of my very first business trip. I've been reflecting lately on the distinction between our social and professional lives and the moments that they bleed into each other. The importance of boundaries and the futility of compartmentalization, of taking our work seriously while honoring the full, rich complexity of our human experiences. And of course, to illustrate that lofty philosophy, I have here a story that includes cockroaches, West Nile virus, and nature porn. I was 29 years old and in charge of the company's intranet. Uh, we had acquired a couple of companies and we're embarking on a shared services project to consolidate uh, several of the major systems, performance management, benefits, and the intranet. Um, but it wasn't a big secret that these businesses we had acquired and were trying to consolidate onto our systems were not long-term synergies for the company. And there was a, a lot of understandable resistance to migrating onto new platforms when the likelihood of being sold again and having to migrate onto brand new platforms in a new company in a year or two was pretty high. But my job was the intranet. And that meant it was my job to make sure that anybody who needed an internal website knew what the rules were, knew what the process was. And it was my job to train them how to use the WYSIWYG editor, the what you see is what you get editor. At the time, video chat and screen sharing was still pretty clunky. Um, and frankly, I really needed to be there in person um, down in Texas where this large office of folks who, who needed to migrate uh, their internet were. And I needed to look them in the eye and, and try to show them that I wasn't just an evil corporate hack wreaking, wreaking havoc on their otherwise peaceful lives and perfectly functional systems. Um, it was a, it was, there, there was a lot of resistance and it really required a human touch. As an aside, the internet itself was also pretty young at this point. We were all still figuring out proper email eti etiquette, when to reply to all and much more importantly, when not to. I learned, I had learned the hard way not too long before all of this that I had to check Snopes before forwarding reports of missing children to my entire graduate school listserv. Memes weren't a thing yet, but silly photos sure were. And somewhere along the line, someone had sent me a file full of photos of things in nature that looked like, well, other things in nature. You know, rock formations and tree crotches that looked like well, genitalia. Um, but back to the story. I had never traveled for work before, and I stressed about flights, car rentals, and hotels. Um, I had a recommendation for a hotel that most people used when they went to Plano. Um, but when I looked at the, uh, the booking system, I saw a hotel much closer and much cheaper. Um, and being the frugal corporate steward that I was, um, booked that one instead. I had two small children at the time, so I booked my trip to get in late to Dallas on a Tuesday night, and then I was going to head out first thing on Thursday morning. Just two sleeps. I rented a car in Dallas and got printed directions to Plano. In-car GPS navigators were also not a thing uh, quite yet, and uh, made, my well, my, made my way to the hotel. It was horrific. <laughs> it was creepy, uh, seemingly deserted, very seedy, um, and parked across the street from a liquor store. 
There was obviously no in-hotel restaurant, and I couldn't even find a vending machine on my floor. So I ordered pizza from a nearby Domino's and kept the chain on the door when it was delivered. I managed eventually to sleep for a couple of hours, and I woke up that next morning nervous um, because of the lion's den that I imagined I was uh, heading into. And also not feeling great. I'd had a low-grade fever on and off that whole week, but I didn't have any other symptoms. So I chalked it up to stress and told myself that my body was fighting off some small infection. It was about 106 degrees that day and pretty close to that um, by the time I got to the office around 10 o'clock. It was record-breaking heat, I was told, for that time of the year. And to, to really highlight the fact, the inside of the buildings felt like about 32 degrees. It was like being inside of a walk-in fridge. And my system was completely out of whack, so it was all incredibly uncomfortable. So as I went in to meet the hostiles, <laughs> um, for the most part, everyone was pleasant and cordial. I did my best to break the ice, acknowledging the tension um, validating their frustrations, you know, telling them I understood that they, you know, probably perceived this as a futile exercise. Um, and I tried to smooth ruffled feathers and humanize the project as much as I could. After all, that's why they had sent me down to do this. So after a short meeting and a little bit of meet and greet, um, we sat about 40 people in a very large darkened classroom with my screen mirrored up on this very large screen by the projector. I had done the training so often at this point, I could have done it in my sleep. So when I got to the section that taught them how to upload graphics and photos, I was up pretty much on autopilot. I was in my groove, I was feeling more comfortable, um, I was getting decent questions and not a lot of pushback. So as I browsed to a file folder that I knew had some graphics in them, I clicked on a folder that I couldn't remember that was called nature. And I realized too late and to my horror that the thumbnails that were about a foot tall on the classroom screen were photos of tree crotches and rock formations that were unmistakably genital. You know that whooshing sound in your ears as the blood rushes from your head? Yup. But what are you going to do? I fumbled about muttering and, uh, and looking for uh, some pre-sized graphics, backed out of the file as quickly as I could. I didn't look around me. I didn't acknowledge anything had gone awry. I just kept doggedly pushing through the remainder of the training. But at this point, I can't even hear my own voice for the whooshing. So I can't tell you if the collective intake of breath and uncomfortable shifting in chairs was real or just in my head. Somehow I got through this raining, and by now I'm sweating through my clothes despite the polar vortex level AC inside the building. I have a vague recollection that people were a little warmer, friendlier, and less serious than they were when I left than when I arrived, but I was so seriously mortified that I couldn't take much in. I was just glad that it was over and feeling a little bit lightheaded um, in the success of, of not having to ever step foot in that building again. But as I was walking from one building to the other in this 106 degrees, I nearly passed out. I got really lightheaded and, and nearly fell over, which was weird because I tend to like the heat. 
But somehow I found myself back in my scary hotel room after a couple of an hour or two. And as I was splashing water on my face, I noticed the telltale rash of the West Nile virus creeping up from my neck and onto my jawline. It was that second summer of West Nile in the West. Um, we were getting a lot of cases in Colorado. And I had gone out one evening without mosquito repellent a couple of weeks earlier and ended up getting eaten alive. And so there was no question about it. It was West Nile. Well, of course I have West Nile on top of everything else, I thought to myself. That's just rich. But here's the thing. During all of this, playing out in the background of this unbelievably absurd situation that couldn't even, you know, feel believable in a Dilbert comic strip, I was dealing with a pretty serious personal crisis. I had shared a past trauma with my now ex-husband, and he wasn't dealing with it very well. It was uncovering all kinds of new revelations about our relationship, uh, trust that was broken between us, past hurts that re were resurfacing. Long and short of it, I was pretty sure my marriage was disintegrating while I was stuck in Plano, Texas, in record-breaking heat and fevered from West Nile virus. The truth is... My marriage was disintegrating, but it wouldn't fully fizzle out for another couple of years. One of my best friends in the world was getting her PhD in Austin at the time, and I called her in tears and asked her to meet me in the middle. I was in crisis and I needed a friend. So I got in the car, fevered, shaking and crying, and drove about two hours to Waco, Texas. And of course, all the way there, I, the only thing I could think about was David Koresh. She drove two hours up from Austin, and we met at a hole-in-the-wall Mexican restaurant. And when I say hole-in-the-wall, that's being generous. Don't get me started on the cockroaches and the state of the bathroom. I picked up my food, and she ordered us some margaritas, which went half-drunk. And then she just sat there and let me cry. Laughter through tears is one of my favorite emotions, so when I was finally cried out for a bit, we laughed about penis-shaped rock formations and how we'd never look at a tree crotch the same way again. This is one of my favorite stories to tell, and until I started putting my thoughts together for this podcast, I never realized why it was so important to me. I used to think it was about overcoming fear, adversity, and learning how to corporate in a live fire exercise. I used, as a, I used it as an example of acting as if to overcome my imposter syndrome. I thought of it as a big lesson in developing my professional maturity. And it is all those things for me. But more than that, I think it's a perfect example of how our personal lives show up energetically in our work world. As I tried so hard to compartmentalize my personal crisis and continue about my business, my business was showing up as a perfect and distorted reflection of my personal crisis. The more I tried to separate the two, the more they each careened out of control. The more I focused on trying not to let this crazy business trip disintegrate into complete chaos, the more my personal life demanded my attention. And the more I tried to ignore my personal life, the crazier the business trip got. Now, I'm not advocating that we need to conflate our personal lives and our professional lives. I learned somewhere along the line that it's important not to overshare at work, even with your close work friends. 
And in fact, I'm a big champion of constructing an authentic professional self to bring to work. And a lot about the, and I talk a lot about the distinction between the social self and the professional self. But the fact of the matter is we all have personal lives and those personal lives need time, energy, and focus. And when the events of those personal lives require more attention, we need to find a way to honor that. We need to self-regulate and take a personal day when critical circumstances come up. We need to plan and take the time off that we need to refresh and recharge. And we need to tend to the important task of maintaining our private lives and our private relationships. And we need to recognize that those people we work with have personal lives too. Honoring, respecting, and encouraging healthy, happy, and fulfilling private lives is important. You don't need to, and, and you frankly you shouldn't need to be a part-time counselor to the people on your team. But you do need to make sure that your teams know that you honor their individual circumstances and understand that what happens at home has impact on their ability to do their jobs well. I don't think I knew at the time how these things were bleeding into one another. It just seemed like a, an unfortunate uh, timing. But the fact is that I was the unifying element in those two circumstances, in this disastrous business trip and a disastrous beginning of the end of a marriage. So if you only take two things away from this story, I hope they will be one, honor your personal space, give it the attention it needs. Compartmentalization is fine and necessary to an extent, as long as you're spending the time and energy you need on the important compartments of your life. And then secondly, encourage your teams to honor their personal lives too. Lead by example and let people know that you recognize and respect that they have full complicated lives too. If you want one bonus point takeaway, I would say check Yelp reviews on any Mexican restaurants you may want to visit in Waco, Texas before you go. Thanks for being here, and I hope you had a little fun listening to this tale on my journey to take myself less seriously. If you know anybody who can relate or might need to hear this, please share it. Take care. <laughs>